Hey everybody, welcome to Row Hunting Resources Podcast. Alright, well, as in typical form, it is Sunday, uh, August 28th at about 10 o'clock my time. Literally, I've been sitting here either recording videos and recording content today, and then I was sitting in the house just going and editing stuff, and I completely, completely spaced the fact that it's Sunday night. I mean, I knew it's I knew it was Sunday today, but then I just completely forgot that I needed to, to do a, a quote-unquote podcast, and so I'm sitting there. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. It was one of those things where we're like, oh, crap, I better go do something so that way you guys have something for today. Oh, crap. Well, it is what it is. This is, the, here, here we go. There's, uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. So to that point, I guess the the big the big thing is is there are there's a bunch of stuff there's some stuff that's been posted to the website we've got some members only some um, members only podcast type discussions and then there is going to be a this ended up becoming a monster I did a I've done a series uh, talking about the debate between emotion versus meaning. This this has this comes up every year, but it seems like with the advent or the not advent, there's a massive push right now within the social media world for attention. There's just no two ways about it. There there's just no two ways about the fact that nowadays with reels and uh, people's you know. Man, I don't want to go too dark. I, I don't need to go too deep in the weeds. The the way that Instagram and Facebook and everything are, are they're running everything these days, there's this massive just all out blitz on trying to stay relevant, trying to stay in the public eye, and expand one's footprint, expand one's uh, brand or marketing or what have you on on the social media um, interface, and there's a lot of information. There's just a lot of stuff being thrown out, especially within the world of podcasts. And so, a lot of the folks that have come that are that are new members, new subscribers this year, are coming to the Row Hunting Resources platform and not fully appreciating what the Row Hunting Resources, what I've been for my entire life, and and especially the focus of what I share on the website. Uh, it seems like some of them are skipping the understanding, the philosophy, the the mindset, the background that that I share on my uh, row hunting resources elk module, the Elk Hunting Institute. They're skipping some of the fundamentals. They're skipping some of the background, and they're jumping straight to the strategies in action. They're jumping straight to some of the the bull vocalization stuff because they're they've they've spent time listening to other people. They bought into, or subscribed to, or uh, have been influenced by other people's um, opinions and, and um, interpretations on some things, and it seems like they're coming here. Uh, some, some, not all, some are coming here because they want to say, "Oh, I want to," you know, "I've I've collected this information from this person, and this information from this person, and this information from this person, and I want to go to see Chris, and and I, I want to collect, you know, some specific information from Chris." And they're missing the the fundamentals of why the, the 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 underlying ideology that I have that I that I I bring to the table in my 
in within my educational resources. And obviously, once you, if you come into my site with a preconceived bias uh, from other folks, that's fine. I that that I mean that's fine. It, I'm not criticizing that. If you come in with a preconceived bias, you're you're going to have to take a moment, and I I would I would strongly recommend you take a moment and and go through and understand where I come from and and what my ideology is and and why I I talk about the things that I do because otherwise you're going to get confused and there are there's are some people that have come in and they've gotten confused or or they're not um, getting the big the, the whole picture and so I've answered a bunch of individual questions of late um, <clears throat> and again here we are it comes down to the the differences uh, in interpretation between emotion versus meaning does it matter if you know what you're saying versus uh, you just call with a bunch of emotion so I finally said, you know what, enough is enough. Um, it's time to sit down and dive in, a deep dive into that discussion and, and pick some things apart and call bullshit where bullshit needs to be called and point out hypocrisies where hypocrisies need to be called. But before I am going to do that and I, before I'm going to point fingers at other people and talk about other people, other style or not styles, before I talk about other type of teachings and philosophies, I'm going to point the lens on myself and what I've taught and what I've talked about these past 10 plus years, 12 years now, and rip my stuff apart, possibly, and see if there's a there's way where uh, if there's places where maybe I've progressed, I've learned more, I've changed my I you know my understanding, or where I find there might be holes in my uh, opinions and hypotheses and that type of stuff. So it's it was a it, it's a multi part series. Um, I'm almost done editing. I recorded the last part of it today. I'm going to uh, finish up the editing here soon and try to get that posted. Unfortunately, just <clears throat> today's, it's going to be, so they're going to be videos, but they're also going to be released as subscriber-only podcast discussions. So that way you can listen to them in your vehicle a little bit easier. Um, and for right now, yes, I'm still working out I, very quite honestly, I think probably the easiest thing for those people that have been asking for a pure podcast, um, it's 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 tricky. It's it's not as easy as what what you might think. So right now everything is being released. I, I've got it uh, under the website. So you go to you know pull up your web browser, open up. Uh, the Row Hunting Resources website, and then if you're a subscriber, you log in, and then you can access that stuff. Obviously, video is going to take more bandwidth and, and data than than an audio file, so that's why I'm putting some of these things out in, as an audio file. And just as a real quick aside, some of y'all, some of y'all are are, uh, I well, let's just put it this way. <laughs> So the, the subscribers only quote unquote podcast that I that I first did that was supposed to be for subscribers only. I had the wrong I had the wrong boxes checked in SoundCloud. And so it released it to everybody. iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, all it was public. It was public, and it even said right on there, "Subscribers only." Some of you actually reached out. I, I, I thanked you individually, but I will thank you all 
collectively. For those of you that were honest and were like, hey, Chris, you know, this said subscribers only. Did, did you mean for this to go public? Did you? I appreciate you saying something. But for the rest of you, they're just sat there like, uh, I don't know. I, I'm listening to it. I'm just going to go ahead and listen to it. It's no big deal. Well, you got a freebie. Count that. You got, you got a free, you got a, you got a, you got a discussion. There you go. Well, let me just tell you, I didn't, I didn't make the same mistake twice. So, the the next one that I recorded was with a good buddy of mine, uh, that uh, elk but uh, elk hunting uh, friend of mine, and we had a long discussion about wind and thermals and geography and how all that interplays and bedding areas, understanding bedding areas uh, more than just oh yeah they 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 bed three quarters of the way up the mountain and uh, they like saddles and they but no no be BS let's just. Let's actually have an honest discussion about thermals. Let's have a discussion about wind, vegetation effects, terrain effects, uh, weather effects, and bedding areas. How how elk, you know, the behavioral aspect of bedding, elk bedding down, and what they're looking for on the landscape when they're choosing bedding areas and what we need to think about. Uh, I don't know if there were any answers in that discussion, but there was a lot of things to think about and, and to process. So when you're on the mountain or on, in, the, in the woods, you can analyze these things or, or at least not analyze them, but you can at least start checking boxes. Okay, what, what is the aspect of this? What, what is the prevailing wind? What, what are we looking at from a 10 friction standpoint? What's the weather system coming in? What's the vegetation I'm dealing with? You know, where, you know what, are, what are we looking at from potential bedding areas and, and elk activity centers on the mountain? All those things play into um, how we actually navigate the terrain and work into our setups. So that's another discussion. That's a subscribers only discussion. That sucker is, <laughs> hopefully, I think. I haven't seen it show up on iTunes. I haven't seen it show up on Spotify. So fingers crossed it's only there in the website for, for our subscribers. So that's a discussion. Well, these next vid- these next ones that I'm I'm doing will be the same way. There's it's gonna be a video, but it's also and I've gotten that's what I'm doing right now, editing the video. But it's also got the 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 audio version, so it's easier for you to listen to. You still have to log in to um, your. Uh, you've you've still got to have the least good cell signal to where you you've got internet connection. All right. Um. So that's what I'm going through right now, and and it's just. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is that it's a it's a huge discussion. It I I wanted to kind of kind of tiptoe into it, and then it just blew up on me as things do, but I think it's, it's worthwhile diving in and discussing things because I do, I critically rip apart some of the things that I've talked about, not rip them apart, but I, I offer some different perspectives on what I've talked about in the past, how to reframe our thinking about some of the cow vocalizations we've talked about in the past. And I think it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a worthy uh, investment of time of, of sitting down and listening to it and continue in, in, in considering it, especially if you're the type of person that, that, that subscribes to the idea, that the ideology and the idea that, um, maybe, maybe emotion is more important than meaning. I, I still disagree with that, but this is a discussion that kind of helps those people that have a fundamental bias towards, you know, all the other teaching out there that says emotion, 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 and less and less and less and less and less about a meeting, okay, well, then then you're going to find some value in this discussion, all right? Um, but but like I said, after, after the self-reflection, after picking apart some of the stuff that I've talked about over the years and positing some maybe new information and, and new ideas, especially when it comes to 
uh, cow bugles and how they relate to uh, bull contact, what I call contact bugles, how do those relate? Do they relate or do they not relate? Because they're they're structured the same way, but it seems like the individual sexes might be getting a different reaction to that vocalization from other elk on the landscape, or maybe not. Maybe the understanding of what a contact bugle or a locate, you know, what some people call a locator location bugle, maybe there's a difference there. Maybe there's something different in that our, our fundamental understanding of what bulls are doing that does relate to what cows are doing. And maybe they are not so, they sound, there's a, there's a similar structure there. But we never seem to you know, mesh the two. I mean, people just almost abject, just completely ignore the fact that cows bugle. But cows do bugle. Why? Why are they bugling? All right, well... I, I, I bring up those ideas through this this discussion. But then I do. I get critical. I dive in and I start getting critical about, you know, some of the stuff that we hear uh, from the bull vocalization, the bull, the bugling strategy, you know, side of the equation. I, I kind of rip some of that apart a little bit. Um, it's an interesting discussion. And I think the thing that was kind of curious for me today, and then I kind of I got, I lost myself into, and then my mind went down another rabbit hole was, so I, I go to check social media and don't let me forget. Hold on a minute. Let me make myself a note. Social media changes slash crap. Okay, that, that's, that's my algorithm. All right. That's my that's my note. All right, because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna Jen Saki and circle back to that one later. But okay, but so I, I went through uh, this this deep dive into dissecting you know a lot of what's being taught these days about bull vocalizations and bugling strategies, and and some of it I I give credit where credit is due. Others of it I just rip it to shreds and call bullshit where bullshit is due. Um, and. It's interesting because I have I have not done it. These discussions come up. I mean, I remember back in the days when I was first starting, and I was you know just on chat forums, Bowsight or what you know I affectionately call Bowfight these days anymore. I don't even go to I don't even go to Bowfight. I don't go to to Archery Talk. I don't go to rock slide and I, I am not on any forums at all anymore it's just it it's just mentally exhausting for me um but I remember back in the early days when I was sharing some of my initial stuff just getting shellacked by just just getting peep just the just the venom that would get thrown um but then again then all of a sudden it kind of shifted when we got into this public sphere of this this inner the, or the not the internet the uh the social media sphere. It seemed like everybody just kind of, you know, you've got your space, you've got your space, you've got your platform, I've got my platform, and we all played nice. And we all just kind of, we all did our own thing. And that's, that, that's fine. That's great. I mean, that, and quite honestly, there's a lot of value to that and a lot of respect that is, that's extended within that type of framework where everybody just does their own thing. You're in your little silo. I'm in my little silo. I'll share mine. You share yours. And then the general public can then go and dissect stuff. Well, at the same token though, 
you know that when you hear something, somebody says something and you're like, eh, no, I disagree with that. Or I find there's a problem with that. And and because there's a, what I see, what, what you just said and what I perceive and what I'm thinking and these are the things that, you know, all the things that I'm going through, uh, I think you're, you're setting some people up for failure here and here and that. And maybe there's some criticisms that, that people could hurl my way. And, you know, that they could call BS on some of the stuff that I do that honestly, if we started in a way, you know, in a respectful way, starting calling, you know, well, for lack of a better term, having difficult conversations, having quote unquote calling people out and be like, all right, this is what this person says. Mm, I don't know. And here... Not not just calling BS because it threatens that person's, you know, person A says X, Y, Z. And then person B says one, two, three. Well, when person B said one, two, three, it it threatens the the branding or it threatens the the uh bandwidth and the influence and the sponsorship and the the uh, whatever you want to call it, the likes and the clicks and the follows and the you know all the all the trappings of social media these days, it, it threatens that. So, a some people don't don't. How do I want to put this? And I, I'm leading into what I what I saw on uh, Lucas uh, from TR, TRX Arms today, which was awesome. It was so perfect. We. There's a lot of times where we don't have uncomfortable conversations because we don't want to step on other people's toes. But by the same token, by not having uncomfortable conversations, we are setting people up for failure because it's very easy to get lost within our own silo. It's easy to get lost within our our own uh, positive feedback loop and our own echo chamber to where we don't actually start thinking critically. I'm not going to say I'm not guilty of it either. And this is that's why I did what I did on this video series. I, I did a deep dive on my stuff first. I tried to rip apart my stuff first from an intellectually, you know, from intellectual integrity. That that's what needs to happen. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna disagree publicly with someone else or some other teaching, I ought to be darn well be able to to uh, critically look at what I've done and then either defend it or or recognize that oh maybe I I've got some uh, you know. I've got some holes in my thinking, all right? Well, that's the thing. Across the spectrum, so many people are talking about so many different things and so many things are going unchallenged or undiscussed that, man, there's some of these conversations lately that just seem to be going in a direction that's just, it borders on the ridiculous. From from my perspective, when we're looking at it from a an elk behavior, behavioral ecology uh, mate selection strategy, reproductive selection strategy for elk. I talked, to, I alluded to a little bit about that when I was talking with Steve Chapel on that episode of understanding, you know, philosophy of elk calling uh, with Steve. But I kind of talk about it a little bit here, and what, what I thought was interesting. What and I for me, I finally for this video series, I was like, all right, enough is enough. There's enough questions coming in. There's enough confused people that are that are asking questions now. That are that are wanting clarification. That it, I can't talk in generalities anymore. I can't just stick with my my silo and, and my discussion points because so many people are bringing in outside influence that it's. I can't talk about it in a neutral manner. I've got to I've got to identify 
the specific outside influence and then talk to them. Okay, this is what this person said. This is what they do. This is how they do it. This is what they're saying they do. This is what they're saying how they do, why they do it. But when we look at from Elk and this is what I talk about. And if you go here and you look at this, this is what I talk about. Here's how these things relate or oftentimes no, here's here's how they're missing the mark. Here, from a behavior standpoint, this is why I disagree with this person. I have at this point now. I've got there's there's so much of it out there that I have to be specific to this the the influence that comes in. I, I don't care who it is. All right, I don't care who it is. And like I talk about in the the video, you know, whether we're talking about Elk 101, we're talking about Elk Calling Academy, whether we're talking about. Uh, L Collective, we're talking about, it, you know, it doesn't, it does not matter or, or podcasts, what, what you choose your podcast. Okay. It doesn't matter where someone's coming from previous to coming to my stuff. All those guys. And, and, and that's the other thing that I called out in this thing, the amount of testosterone that's involved with this part of the discussion around L calling. I, I really do. I, 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 and this is not rhetorical and I'm not being full of shit. Seriously, I would love to know if there's any quality females out there, women out there talking about calling, bugling, cow calling, like elk calling strategy stuff. Like, are are there actual women out there that are actually talking about this that I don't know of? Because right now it's dominated by like there's eight or nine or ten. I don't know. There's There's a bunch of guys. All right. And they're all the same type of alpha male, you know, type A personality type guys. I mean, it, it, it really is. It really is a, a very testosterone-driven field of discussion in the world of hunting these days. I'm sorry to say that, and and but anyway, um, I have the utmost respect for every single one of these people. Most most of the people that are involved with this 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 industry and this educational uh, campaign, if you will. Uh, I just may have differing opinions of different, you know, ver, you know, varying degrees of differing opinions on, uh, maybe on strategies. There's a lot of the strategies I have. I don't have any issue at all with the strategies and the tactics they choose to use. Most 99% of the time, it comes down to the interpretation of why that strategy works or the rationale behind the strategy. The rationale behind the strategy hasn't doesn't have a damn thing to do with behavioral ecology, and it doesn't have a damn thing to do with mate selection strategy of elk. I'm sorry. I go into that in the in, in the discussion of the video, but regardless. So it gets to the point where I think it's time for us to have those uncomfortable conversations. And, and there's going to be some people that don't like it. There, I mean, absolutely there's people that don't like it. And I can prove that just because from Jay Scott, Jay Scott posted the other day, uh, 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 he reposted a picture uh, or a video from of Joel Turner running a mouth diaphragm. Joel Turner is a phenomenal elk caller. The guy who's a former world champion. The, but the, however, the way he runs his mouth diaphragm, okay, and the, and I talk about this. I, I did another uh, video about this on on running mouth diaphragms for the average person, general person running a di- mouth diaphragm, and it's related to this discussion between Jay Scott showing showcasing what Joel Turner was doing. Joel had had posted a video of him running a mouth diaphragm and running, uh, basically blowing some cow uh, vocalizations. He's phenomenal at it. They sound incredible, but he's got an extremely, let's just put it nicely. He's got a very unique way that he holds his mouth. All right. It's, it's very unique. All right. And then Jay talked about that and he said, man, this is the way you want it. You want it. You want to keep your, how many times do you want to say you want to, 
You want to, you want to, you want to. You want to keep your mouth open. You do not want to use your lips. You do not want to go EO. You don't want to do this. And Jay provided some commentary on his critique of what he's seen in the past that sets people up for failure in learning how to run a mouth diaphragm and trying to, to accurately reproduce cow vocalizations. And then, you know, Jay demonstrated, well, before he could, Jay could even demonstrate that, there was an individual that just launched at Jay, just like launched at him. Like, how dare you criticize? What the hell do you think you're doing? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, is your ego so freaking fragile that you can't handle someone who didn't even reference you, who wasn't even talking about you? Jay's reference was about Primos. If you look at the old school Primos, I don't even know about today. I haven't looked at a Primo, the back of the Primos packaging in a long time. But if you look at the back of Primos of packaging back in the day, it just flat out said EO. If I remember right, EO. And that's what Jay was talking about. Primos, EO or EU or whatever. Nowadays, if you look at, I'm, I've got a whole slew of, of Phelps game, of mouth diaphragms sitting in front of me. I flip over the backside of the, the card and it talks to you about how to play, you know, directions. Place the call on the roof of your mouth. Put your tip of your tongue, blah, blah, blah. Using your chest for blah, 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 cow call. Blah, 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 blah. The more tongue pressure, higher the note. By re- reducing the tongue pressure, you allow the call to break over and make a two-part call. And then in parentheses, E-ah. Okay? So, this that's correct. E-ah. E-ah. Why? E-ah is because you're keeping your lips away from it and you're not manipulating the sound coming out. So, newer versions and more, I'm sorry, more accurate versions of elk instruction, mouth diaphragm instruction reflect the fact that no, you don't want to be using your lips. Okay. Well, Jay just tried to to just bring that discussion up and all over instantaneously, someone with a fragile ego just launched at him because that person cannot apparently can't even have a, can't even have someone else talk about someone else that might even be tangentially related to what they're doing and they, they're they so worried about the criticism that they can't even handle it. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. That's weak. Weak. If we can't have, <clears throat> excuse me, if we can't, if I, if Chris Rowe doesn't have the in intellectual integrity, maturity, and fortitude to be able to stand up and publicly defend my ideology, my belief structure, I have no business teaching you jack squat. All right? But that's the problem. We've 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 handled certain people, we've handled this industry with kid gloves. And and we haven't we everybody like I don't want to offend this person, I don't want to offend that person, I don't want to step on these toes, and I don't want and and from a respect standpoint, yes, that's valid. But when we get down to are we progressing is for I'm not talking about progressive, I'm not talking about a postmodern progressive ideology and philosophy and mindset. No, I'm talking about are we moving the needle in increasing our knowledge on the landscape? And by knowledge, I don't mean a new version of the same old crap that you could read in a 1976 edition of, of, of Outdoor Life or Field and Stream. 
Are we actually moving the functioning needle of education of what is a freaking bull elk doing on the landscape? What is a cow elk actually doing on the landscape? What can we see them doing repeatedly, no matter if we're talking about central Washington or Oregon, whether we're talking about a premier unit in Idaho or, uh, or Arizona, whether we're talking about the interior timbers uh, areas of, of Idaho, what, are we moving the freaking needle or are we just focused on egos? Are we just focused on branding? Are we focused on marketing? Are we focused on gathering attention and be and, and just basically fortifying our silo, hardening our silo with reinforced concrete every year, thickening the walls to where nothing can come in, nothing goes out, but yet it's the most brittle and fragile silo you could ever imagine. That's, that, that doesn't help anybody. So we, we, at some point, we need to have these, these difficult conversations. And we need to start calling bullshit where we see bullshit. We've talked about, Aaron and I talked about this on the podcast. I've talked about this with other people. And this comes up all the time where, you know, when we talk about when to clean up the quote-unquote sportsman's image on the landscape, whether it's sportsman's issues or whatever, we, we need to start policing ourselves. Okay, again, everybody talks about pointing the finger at someone else, but no one actually wants to point the finger, finger inward. We need to be doing that a lot and a lot better. But by the same token, it doesn't, it, it's not even just our image. It, it's let's talk about ideas. There's the old adage that small minds talk about, or, or, or great minds talk about ideas. Average minds talk about events. Small minds talk about people. Gossip, right? And the other, and I've shared this before, um, thinking is hard. That's why most people judge. Okay? Or that's why most people get offended. Want to retreat back to their safe space. No, it's about damn time we start being comfortable having just brutally honest conversations that might be uncomfortable but that actually might help everybody. At the end of the day, you might have an uncomfortable conversation, have a respectful but uncomfortable conversation. You might still come out of it at the other end agreeing to disagree and completely have two different ideologies. But now the public is wiser for having the ability to listen to the debate, right? So anyway, that's what I started diving into. And that's what the this, this again, it started off as a smaller, like a one- part deal. And then I was like, oh, this is not happening. It's going to be like a four or five part. I, I, I'm at, like I said, I'm editing it now. Just this last part that I did today was two and a half hour discussion. I, I think I can split it into two pieces. But anyway, the funny part was, is so I, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm letting stuff render or not render, but download and, and get loaded on the computer. And I'm just kind of scrolling through social media. And I, and I am, a, I follow uh, Lucas, uh, I follow T-Rex Arms. And I, I do really like what those guys are doing. Um, I really do. And he posted about a 15-minute discussion. Well, it was right there, 15 minutes, because Instagram cut it off. And that was the discussion. Conflict. The, the uncomfortable conversations. His point of view and his discussion was about the, the, the Second Amendment, the 2A community slash the, the firearms instructor, instructor community, the slash tactical community. And he makes a good point that it's not a community. It's it's just different silos of ideology 
that are all within this sphere. And he talked about the fact that it's exactly the same. I I, I, I recommend every one of you, I, I'm, I'm dead serious on this. This is not rhetorical. I'm asking you to do this. Uh, he, Lucas, those guys, they have no clue who I am. Like, I mean, I commented on his post. He liked it and, and, and agreed. But that's as far, as far as they know who the heck I am and, and if I even exist. So there's no connection here between me and them at all. I just follow them. I value what he they do. Uh, they're a good company. Uh, I, I like their YouTube videos and I like some of what they share and the reviews and stuff on firearms, shooting, training, tactics, that the whole 2A type of stuff, all right? I recommend if you are of that proclivity and you want to learn, go follow T-Rex Arms, Lucas, um, and look for his his video that that he did that the 15 minute little tirade. It's I, mean, it's I I can't say tirade, but anyway, his little rant and it, and it was a good rant. It was it was a worthy rant, and it was right straight down the barrel. No pun intended. Maybe pun intended. It was right straight down the barrel of like parallel with what I just said about our elk hunting and elk calling a community. I mean, like it. Every time he said, you know. 2A or firearms or tactical training. All you had to do is just insert there elk calling, bull vocalizations, bugling. You know, it, it was a parallel conversation. I could not believe. I mean, I literally got out of the studio f- from recording, was dumping it into the computer. <clears throat> and before I could even hear, I stumble across this, I listened to it and I'm like, oh, Number one, oh my gosh, how much of a parallel it is. But number two, I think even more important, how many people are hungry for it? How many of you that are listening to my voice right now are just sick of the same old BS? The same old, you know, fanboy hoorah, you know, I'm a fan of so-and-so and I follow so-and-so. And I'm fo- Again, I do I want you to follow me and listen to me? Of course I do. Do I want you to subscribe to Row Hunting Resources, the Elk Module, the Elk Hunting Institute, and learn from it? Of course I do. The entire reason why I'm flapping my gums at you through this podcast is because you you guys, the subscribers of that website, the people that support me financially are the ones that make this possible, period. I don't have advertisers. That's it. End of discussion. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want to advertise and you've got a worthy product, call me because like, I would like I would like to be I would like to have this be more of what maybe I do because some of you are are liking this stuff and I would like to continue to grow this if if you if you the public like this and you want to hear more of it well if it's going to take more of my time in my weekly schedule then it's got to pay for itself so yeah I'm open to the idea of advertising at this point. But regardless, right as of now, no, it, it's the subscribers to the website. So do I want people to follow me? Of course I do. Do I believe in what I say? And do I believe that if you follow what I say, you will be successful? Of course I do. That is not a damn bit of difference between me in that regard and every other swinging Richard out there that talks about elk calling. They believe in what they're saying. I, I hope they, let's just put it this way. I hope they believe what they say. Otherwise, it's just flat out fraud, okay? But regardless, most of them believe what they're saying, okay? We can have an, a, an intellectual conversation, a, a discussion, and maybe a debate, and, and maybe completely on, you know, way off, like, 
way, way, way in two different universes. Okay. But we've, there's so many people that have, we, there's so many, how do I want to put this? We've avoided the, com, the, the uncomfortable conversations for so long that I think the general public is, is suffering for it. Not only is the general public suffering for it, I think a lot of you are getting tired of it. Uh, the, the number of people that, that look, look, at, look at what I post. Look at my podcast. You look at my numbers of my podcast. When I start talking about, when I start calling bullshit on, on some of the political stuff and I, I really dive, deep dive into sportsmen's issues and that type of stuff, some of those are my more, more popular discussions. And I think the reason why that is is because a lot of you are just tired of the same old drivel. You, you are hungry for something that actually challenges the way you think, that, that stimulates the gray matter between your ears and gives you something to chew on. Lucas nailed it today in the fact that in the shooting sports community, and, and when I say shooting sports, I'm not talking about plinking, just you know, tin cans off your grandpa's back deck. I'm talking about the 2A community, the, the tactical community, the firearms training community, uh, the preparedness community style discussions, you know, he, he nailed it. That there's so much. Everybody's got their own silo. Nobody wants to have a difficult discussion. No one actually wants to have a debate on what is and what should be, what is bad, what is good, what is changing, what should change, what do we need to work on. People are hungry for it, and it's time that we really start diving. We, we, we start to embrace the uncomfortable dialogue. I think, again, I'm not the only one that says this. I think that's part of the reason why the long-form discussions in podcasts have been so popular and why so many of the popular podcasts out there are those ones that really deep dive on stuff and make you think. So far, I haven't seen an extensive amount of that in the elk calling community. We everybody has their own silo. But can we can we have a, a, a critical look at some things? I don't know. And and I'm and I, I know I'm I'm opening myself up and I'm inviting people to absolutely launch at me and critique me. Go for it. Let's do it. Okay? Because it only makes me better. I, I literally I remember and I this just came to my mind. Um so Okay, so I, I grew up in a, a very religious home, all right? And, you know, there's a there's a biblical principle, or at least many people teach a biblical principle that says, you know, that a husband and wife, or if you're looking for a partner, you know, you should not be unequally yoked. Okay, that's what is is essentially what the what the Bible verse says. You know, you not to be unequally yoked. And in my upbringing, that was always to signify you know, a believer, a born again Christian or whatever should not marry someone who's not a born again Christian. Likewise, the Catholic church talks about, you know, if, if you're a Catholic, you should marry a Catholic. If you're a Jew, you should marry a Jew. Well, there are some fundamental psychological things that make sense with that. And, and I would, I would go well beyond that now that I, I've spent some time listening and learning from Jordan Peterson uh, Weinstein's, uh, Ian McGilchrist, and, and others. I think that principle, biblical principle, is very wise. But I don't think it has anything to do. No, it, it might. No, it, it does. It does. 
I think it goes way deeper, way deeper than, you know, just your, your religious proclivities. I mean, there's some, there's some deep stuff in there about how you ought to go about choosing a potential lifelong partner. All right. Um, that's, and, and quite honestly, I'm, I'm not even going to tell you to go to the Bible to find that as I know, blasphemy, <gasps> gasp, you know, wring your hands and, and clasp your face and gasp. No, I think you do need to go over to, to Jordan Peterson to listen to understanding personality, understanding, you know, ideology, all that type of stuff that gets you deeper and gets you a, a better connection. So you understand what you're getting yourself into with a prospective partner. But regard that, regardless, what I'm getting at, my brother, uh, much more relig—I won't say religious, but much more—I uh, I would guess I would say walking the the path better than I probably do. Um, and at the time, or, or probably no, even still, I'll, I'll still give him that much more knowledgeable about Bible verses and his belief. Okay, well, I married my wife, and she is—if you want to talk about an unbeliever, she's an unbeliever. Uh, no, no. She's no, she's just not a religious person and she's not a born again Christian. Does she have a, a fundamental belief in God and all that stuff? She's got her own beliefs, but she's not a born again Christian. She's not a religious person at all. Quite honestly, she's very critical of organized religious type people. And so I married Kelly. Um, Kelly has a very different personality from the rest of my, pa- my, my family. So everybody loves Kelly, but it's, 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 you know, Kelly's an introvert, needs her own space really limited on bandwidth on who, you know, how she can engage and the type of personalities that she likes to engage with. Some of my family members, she just doesn't jive with well. I mean, she could spend some time with them over a little bit and then she's just got to be like, all right, that's enough. I'm I'm, going to go do my own thing. So it gets to the point where sometimes it's just, you know, it is what it is. It's not like we're all sitting around there laughing and dancing and, and carrying on. Okay. It, She's got a different personality. Members of my family have their own different personalities. And maybe, just maybe, at times, at times, they don't jive. Well, when it came down to Kelly's belief and belief structure, my brother back in the, this is, you know, hell, 15 plus years ago now, definitely wanted, he was like, well, like, how do you believe that? And how do you believe this? And how do you believe that? And, And my brother wanted to question and the beautiful thing about Kelly being comfortable and with who she was and what she believed, she was able to turn right around. She's like, I have no problem answering that question at all because of this, this, and this, and this. And quite honestly, I'll take this, that, and the other thing that you said, and I'm going to turn it right around. I'm going to say, how can you believe that if you do this? And how do you believe that when you see this? And how do you believe this? And how do you square that with the, with the church and what you see? And, and she just started shoveling it back. My brother was not happy. ho, <laughs> Oh, my brother was not happy. He's like, what? But here's why I love my brother to death. He's the type of person when you challenge his thinking, he he might he might initially wreck. Now these days, no, he's a, he's 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 a he's a different intellectually mature person. He I I love him. I mean, he's 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 even better than what he ever used to be, which is good. That's what we all hope to aspire to be. But back in the day, he might get a little offended. He might get taken aback. He might get uh, angry about something that Kelly said. But what did he do? It made him dig in and be like, all right, damn it. I didn't have an answer to her. 
and I'm more pissed off that I didn't have an answer than the fact that I didn't know the answer, like for himself. Like he, he got pissed off that he, he had like no response. And he's like, son of, ah, all right. So what did it do? It made him deep dive into his own beliefs, his own philosophy, his own ideas. He made him dive into scripture, get a handle on some things. And some of the things he was able to come back and rebut Kelly and and change and move the needle on Kelly's point of view and opinions. But Ke- Kelly, quite honestly, was able to influence him and make him a better person, a more intelligent and in- intellectually mature person. Those are two people coming from way wildly different viewpoints. But yet, because they loved each other and because they they had an they had a, a commitment to the truth. They challenged one another and both of them came out better at the other end. I think we all need to do that in our lives. Whether it's spiritually, whether it's intellectually with, with whether it's L calling, whether it's uh, intellectually with politics, with its, with its personalities and, and political ideologies, uh, belief structures, we, we all owe it to ourselves to become better intellectually and intellectually and emotionally mature. Uh, and 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 stable, if you will, because we Lord knows we we see what's going on um, these days across just general society, and that's not where we're headed. Um, I'm still through. I'm still working through uh, the book uh, Master and His Emissary from Ian McGilchrist, and I love listening to Jordan Peterson and Ian talk about that and just uh, just what goes on from Ian's from research from from high level investigative research into brain function uh, across the decades Ian going through there and just just I mean making the case that you know there's two different we've got the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere of our brains and both those hemispheres function and perceive the world in wildly different ways and we need both of them however we are, as a society these days, leaning heavy on that left hemisphere viewpoint where it's emotional, it's narrow-minded, it is, uh, there you go, it's emotional and very narrow-minded and it's intellectually weak um, and all the trapping, and all the, the pitfalls that go with that. And it just seems like more and more and more social media and the algorithms, I'm going to get to some of this here in a little bit, social media and the algorithms feed, feed the left hemisphere thinking, left hemisphere brain function. And it is driving us to stupidity. Like it is, it is dumbing our society down drastically. And quite honestly, we, I mean, there's people that have had good conversations about TikTok and what China and, and what TikTok is doing and the difference between TikTok and in China, what China's algorithms do in TikTok versus what it does in the Western Hemisphere. It's scary. Anyway, I think we need to have uh, more critical conversations, respectful to the point of not trashing someone just to be hurtful and cruel and mean or try to destroy someone's individual platform, their brand, their business, etc., but we ought to have an, a, a, a constructive conversation of what the hell we believe and why, and have some semblance of proof to back it up. When it's come, when for me in the discussion we're having now with elk vocalizations, elk uh, communication, uh, behavior, mate selection strategy, you better damn well have elk on the landscape showing you proof. Not and again, 
you know, if you follow me, you know you can't prove something to be, only to disprove it. But you damn well better be able to show evidence on the landscape with elk demonstrating what you're talking about. And it better be something that you can point to and say, okay, this is this situation. Oh, but here's a wildly different environment, different herd structure, different age class structure, different, you know, public land, you know, pressure versus no, pu- it, it ought, it ought to transcend that. Okay. But anyway, so that's what I've been spending my time on that. That's what I've been spending my time on this, these last couple of weeks, just trying to put stuff together and, and get things going. Um, I know it's late. I, I, I know it's late in August. It should have been, you know, people are like, well, you're, you're too late. It should have been in the beginning of July. Yeah, okay, yeah, maybe. From a brand standpoint, from a business standpoint, maybe. Guess what? July, I was doing other things. You know, I, I've got other responsibilities and it sucks. Yes, do I need to reprioritize some things? Do I need to refocus on some things? Yes, I do. I'm going to try, but here it is. It is what it is. I talked about in the last podcast. Uh, one of the public ones that, you know, you've got time. If you want to, if you jump over onto the website now and you want to dissect some of this stuff or just you want to support me, if you want to die, you've got plenty of time to digest what I'm talking about. I try to make it pretty easy and I give you a blueprint of, of where to go and what to do. I talked about that in the last, one of the last Q&A podcasts on how to dissect some of this thing, uh, what I, what I talk about very quickly uh, and efficiently. So anyway. Some of those things are, I've got some new stuff posted. Uh, some other stuff is going to get posted here in the next day or two. Um, and it, like I said, and they, they will all also have an audio component where you can listen to it easier while you're in the vehicle headed to elk camp or if you're just you know in camp listening to stuff or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on there. So with that being said, uh, I am going to be trying to scramble to... Um, get to elk camp here for Colorado. I drew a, a limited license in Colorado. It's a pretty good tag, uh, burned a fair number of points for it. Um, I'm just going to hopefully go out and have some fun, man. I I've got to get out of this heat. If you follow me on Instagram, I don't, I mean, when they said, I mean, I, I know I sound like a broken record and I'm going to, I'm going to touch on some stuff here in a little bit. When they said this year was going to be below average moisture and above average temperatures, like I, like I messed up, man. Like I, I didn't, I didn't take that. I didn't perceive that to be what they were talking about because here it is, August, what, what is it? 28th, did I say? Yeah. 105 degrees out here today. Yesterday was a hundred and some odd degrees. The other, you know, there was a day it was like 97, 98, but the heat index was sitting right under like 100. And then a couple days before that, it was another 107. It just, it's been, we are in a pocket and it's not all of Kansas, but I mean, we are in a pocket here that it just, I don't know what the hell. It's like the doldrums, okay? If you, you, you've heard the, the statement, the, the, the phrase, the doldrums or, or the state, you know, the word doldrums. Apparently, the doldrums are actually a, a nautical. It's out in the Atlantic. The doldrums are where you get these pockets of where there's just no wind out in the ocean, and you just sit there. You just float in a dead calm ocean. It the ocean's just like glass, and you just if you're sailing and you're and you've got a sailboat and you're trying to move and, and sail with the wind. Well, it there is no wind, and you just sit there for however long that weather cycle is going to be. It may be days. It could be a week or more. You just you just sit there and you're dead in the water, in the doldrums. Well, that's what 
I don't know. This is this is ridiculous. The heat is stupid. We we did pick up a rain the other day. You know, some of the some of my landowners are like, "Oh, looks like you got rain out there." We got two tenths of an inch, and then it turned to ninety seven degrees, and then the next day was a hundred degrees. That that didn't even that didn't even begin it. That rain hit all the vegetation, hit the surface, soaked in about the first top eighth inch or quarter of an inch of of soil, and then the next day, the next two days, it was gone. It was just gone. It did nothing. So anyway, I need a break. I need a break. I got to get out of this. I, I I'm you know I've had equipment issues that shut me down. I, I turned around and bought the new machine uh, so I could get some stuff done, and I did. But now some of the stuff I need to do is get some food plot areas prepped. And some of what I need to do is knock down vegetation. Some of them are knocked down, you know, winter wheat, the standing vegetation, weeds, cheatgrass. Type of, well, that's all dry, just, just dry tinder. And the new machine that I have, well, it just doesn't matter. The Ranger, you know, driving through some of that stuff, adjacent to the stuff, running a, a, a mower through that. If I throw a spark while I'm doing that, I'll burn up the entire river bottom. I mean, at this and today, the the fire alarm out here went off. You know, the the fire danger is stupid right now. And quite honestly, it's even to the point now where our cornfields uh, are so dry that I think if you even threw a spark in a cornfield, the cornfield would just erupt. It's it's just some of our cornfields are just are just brown, tint just dry, dry, just tinder dry. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. The whole point behind that is, just, I'm man, I'm sick of this heat. I need, I just need to get, I just need a break. I, I got to get out of this damn stuff. So I'm looking forward to get up in the mountains. I'm going to try to get out of here on Wednesday. Um, get up to to figure out where I want to camp on Wednesday. Uh, spend Wednesday just kind of acclimating. Thursday kind of acclimating, and then the season in Colorado starts on Friday, I believe. <laughs> what is 28th? So Monday, 29th, 30th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, starts on Friday. So hopefully I can get out in the mountains and just defrag. Hopefully I can get into some elk, have some fun, play with some bulls, see if I find a bull that I want to shoot. Um, I think it'd be good to have some elk meat in the freezer. Uh, so I don't know how, I'm, I'm going to, because this is a pretty sweet tag, I'm going to, I'm going to, no, I'm not telling you where it is. You do your own homework in Colorado, figure out your own tags. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it would be good to have some elk meat in the freezer this year. So I'm, I'm not going to shoot the first. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to shoot. I'm still looking at a, looking for a four-year-old or better bull, uh, like I always do. If at the end of my hunt I find a three-and-a-half-year-old bull or a three-year-old bull that's a six-by-six six or whatever, that's a decent. Yeah, okay, my, my, he might go home with me. Um, but that's the that's the conundrum that I'm in right now. Is that you know, I've got so much stuff to do back here. That how I, I'm planning on a two week trip. We'll see if that lasts. Like I talked with Steve about what what Will Primos said to me that you know way back when. I'm in one of those situations where there's a part of me that says nope, go spend the two weeks and immerse yourself back in the into the game and and see what footage you can get and and. And, and this isn't going to be, I don't think this is going to be commercial footage. It's just literally videoing my, just for myself. Just, I want, I, there's there's some stuff that I want to video this year. Again, because there's so much of this emphasis on bugling strategies by so many different people, 
I really want to spend more time trying to dissect bull vocalizations on the landscape, especially when it comes to a hunting situation in different areas. I've got, I, I've, I'm, I've amassed a bunch of video that I've collected over the years on some over-the-counter units um, that uh, on public land areas. Some of them are heavily pressured. Some of them have been less pressured. Um, this hunt, um, I, I will see. I'm hoping that we don't have a lot of hunter pressure. Uh, it does, that's the thing is there's not as many tags per se, but it doesn't matter if everybody piles into the same area to go hunt, you're still dealing with other hunters. So we'll see what the hunter pressure looks like here. But, um, so there's a part of me that wants to stay and get really good video, get, 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 Ooh, spit it out, row. get good footage so that I can use it for my personal use on investigation of some things. Um, but I'm not going to lie to you. There's another part of me that looks at all the things that I need to do to get back here to get prepped for our deer hunts. And given especially the conditions in which I'm going to go to in here a minute, there's a part of me that says, you know, day one, day two, day three, day five, whatever, all of a sudden a decent three and a half year old bull comes in. I haven't personally chose to kill an elk in the past several years. Um, do I just put one on the ground, put some meat in the freezer and just call it a day and, and get back here and, and take care of the responsibilities that I got to take care of? I don't know. I'm torn. I, I, I really think it's going to, I, I, I think that decision is just going to unfold and manifest itself for me on the landscape while I'm out there. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. If I get out into this unit and for some, I don't think that's significant, but if I get out to the unit this year and it's just dead, there's nothing talking. It's just, a, it's just a grind every day. I'm not really getting anything that I can, you know, really use for investigative purposes and all that type of stuff. And it just looks like it's just going to be a grind of quiet and, you know, just, just trying to dredge an elk out of the, out of the cover and, and hope to get a shot. I think that's where I think it'd be like, all right, fine. I, I'm, I, I don't need to slug out two weeks of, of a grind like that find the first bull that wants to come in that gives me a shot, put him on the ground, pack him up, go home, take care of some stuff. If it just turns out epic and I'm, I'm, I'm getting a lot of stuff that I can use and, and, and utilize, learn from, then, then I'll probably stay, but we'll, we'll see. But anyway, I'm trying to get out of here on Wednesday. The reason why I say that is I know a lot of you are probably going to do the same thing. Number one, number two, for as of right now, I do not expect to have any podcasts uh, next week or uh, maybe 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 the, the week after that. We'll see. But I would not expect a podcast from me for the next two weeks. Let's just put it that way. Um, if something changes, if uh, I, I if well, there you go. If something changes, hey, bully for you. Um, but I don't think I'm going to be doing a podcast. Uh, these next couple weeks, like I said, there's, I've just recorded a whole bunch that that's going on the, the website. So if you want to hear me, uh, flap my gums and, and rip some ideas apart and really look critically at some things, jump on, subscribe and, uh, dive in, dive in some of these recent, uh, conversations. Um, the other thing too, this is just this, this unfortunately for me has reared its ugly head again. And a good point of why I want you to be successful in your elk calling abilities. You know, my little tagline is, you know, call them to your toes. Because I, I do. I, I like calling elk into single digit, you know, yardages. Like like seven steps, you know, nine steps. right, Just right there. Um, 
Call them to your toes. I love it. Well, there's another part of that that actually has functional merit. Um, Because when you get older, because I know a lot of you that are young, a, a good segment of the people that listen to this podcast are younger than I am. Um, you just got to understand when you get older, I, I'm, I'm watching all these people, you know, whether you're at TAC or whether you're at Mountain Fest or, or all these other sh- archery shoots or, or the nowadays, if you're on Instagram shooting your bow and you're not lobbing 120 yards, you're nobody. Okay. You're, 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 you're not anything significant. Okay. You, you need to be shooting hundred yards repeatedly, 120 yards repeated. I mean, that's, that's the new standard, right? Whatever. Here's the thing. All of you that are out there doing that now and are doing that well and, and have those skills that allow you to do that, you need to be thankful. You need to be literally appreciative every single day that you are able to do that. And I'm saying that you're able to do that. And I don't mean you're able to do that because you've practiced. I don't mean that you're able to do that because you have a skill set. No. I'm talking about the fact that you are physically able to do that. What do I mean? My eyesight is back to being squirrely. Between my prescript, the way my eyes are focusing now, I've got that stupid issue again where when I'm looking at my when I'm looking through my sights, I'm looking at the target. It does not matter whether or not I'm looking at the target, focusing on the target and floating the pin on the target, or whether I try to focus on the pin and, and float the pin on the blurry target. It doesn't matter how I do it. My prescription, my eyes, the way they're focusing these days, I'm back into that stupid freaking um, cycle where when I pull back and I look at the pins or I look at the target, I'm each pin, so I've got a five-pin sight, spot hog, fixed sight. I don't use a slider. Each pin looks like a cluster of three spots. My 20-yard pin is a cluster of three. My 30-yard pin is its own cluster of three. My 40-yard pin is its own cluster of three. It's just the way you're, you're every now and then, different people will get this. And, and my eye doctor, uh, who's an incredible, I've talked about him before. He just retired, Roger Trudell. Um, unfortunately, he retired. Golly, he was good. He's, he's good. He's one of the best. He just retired. Um, very avid bow hunter, very accomplished bow hunter, great eye doctor. And he told me, he's like, Chris, it it happens when, you know, about 40, between about 40, roughly around 42, you'll have some people that their eyes, the way their eyes focus and the way they, they, um, perceive it'll, it'll start messing with the, that, the, how the pins show up in your perception, in your, in your, in your eye. And he helped me out back in the day. So for a while there, I was fighting it. And it get it got bad to where it was a cluster of five distinct dots. Like the 20-yard pin, the single 20-yard pin was a cluster of five distinct dots. The problem was you couldn't just pick one of those dots and sight to it because the dots would change from day to day on spacing, 
uh, uh, dense, you know, how far apart they were, how close they were, their orientation. It, it just, the, the, depending on the day, the, those five dots would change a little bit. So you couldn't just pick one of the five dots and, and cite to that. No. What ends up happening is you can't shoot the side, the broad side of a barn. Um, and it got bad for a while. And he helped me. He changed my prescription. He changed, you know, he he messed with uh, the the lens on my glasses. And that's the thing is, it's part of the reason why I like these glass, like having glasses, because I can play with things rather than LASIK, which would just leave me stuck. But regardless, I guess he could get glasses after that. But anyway. He helped me out and it reduced that that issue quite a bit. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I went through this phase where my eyes, they didn't do it anymore. It, it, it was like they worked themselves out and, and everything was good to go. And I didn't I, these past couple of years, I haven't had to worry about it. And then this year, I, I saw it coming on. And I'm like, son of a biscuit. There we go. And yep, I mean, it's a cluster of three. So that essentially leaves me at a max. Right now, I can I can shoot fifty. You know, I could. I mean, let, let me put it this way: I'm not going to be taking any shots on an elk. My primary shots are probably not going to be any more than forty yards. It's going to be forty and under. Um, I can hit a target at sixty. That's not a problem. But my group starts to really, you know, open up to where anything that's fifty, sixty yards is probably going to be a, if I have to make a follow up shot. But it's funny because I say all that, and and I have no idea what this this season is going to bring. The farthest I've ever killed an elk was thirty three yards. The farthest farthest shot I've ever taken on an elk is forty yards. Most of the elk that I kill are you know either under you know between thirteen yards and about twenty two twenty three yards. So I that that's not a problem. That's not a problem. That's not a problem. So when I joke, I again my tagline, call them to your toes. Then I joke about the fact that you know, yeah, I want to call them to my toes. Well, no, this at this point that becomes critical with my with my eyes doing what they're doing. I need them close. I don't I don't need to be out there going. How do I how do I make a, a you know a lob an eighty yard bomb out there and and snipe an elk out in the middle of a meadow? No, I I I physically do not have the ability to do it. Not that I have it, not that I don't have the skill set to do it. I no longer have the visual ability to do so. Now, if I just got rid of my sight, and quite honestly, this is a, a, a real quick aside. Excuse me. If this continues, I will go back to doing what I used to do, and that's shoot bare bow. Compound bow, but shoot no sights, just instinctive shooting. Um, obviously, that takes a lot more practice. I, I it just, it takes a hell of a lot more practice and I'm just going to have to get disciplined to go back to practicing as much back in the day when I was shooting instinctive, I was shooting every day. Cause that just what I enjoyed doing. I, I was in college. Uh, I had, I had a lot of free time. Um, and so I just, I shot the bow, I shot the bow and it was new. I was new to shooting a bow. So it, the, the enjoyment of shooting a bow was still fresh and that's all I wanted to do. And I just shot, 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 shot. Now, back in that day, it was finger tabs, shooting a long axle, axle bow with fingers, shooting in, you know, bare bow instinctively. But I got good, like really good. Not, you know, 40, 60, 80 yards good. I was, you know, 40 and under. I was money. Um, but I know, and I'm looking at one of the bulls on my wall right now um, that was back in the day when I was shooting instinctive. And, and, and that bull right there that I'm looking at, 
is one of the bowls that started to make me change my mind. I started getting away. I started not having as much, or now I started not taking the time as much to go practice because I was in a different location, different circumstances, had been away from the bowl for a while, for a while because of the military and et cetera. Um, I just hadn't practiced. And so I was shooting instinctively and I was doing well, but every now and then I would get myself tripped up and I would miss, like miss, like, I couldn't hit the bra. I was like way off to where that made me start thinking, okay, well maybe I need to go to put a sight on my bow. And that's when I start putting a sight on my bow. And then I started doing better. And then I realized man, I could even be better if I use a release, a mechanical release. And then I got away from fingers and bows got smaller and blah, blah, blah. And the whole paradigm shifted over the years. Well, with my eyesight being the way they are, if, if it's just not going to, and that's the thing is that, yes, I can play with different lenses in my glasses. That helps. I, I went back to some of what Roger gave me in the past. It kind of helps, but not really. Um, I can, they, they've make stuff that you can put like Hamsky. I use a Hamsky peep. Hamsky has an entire system where you can put a little lens in the peep uh, to help correct for that. Well, the problem is uh, and I don't know this, but I, on my interpretation of the regulations in Colorado is those are not legal. Um, I don't know if that's true or not anymore, but the, my last understanding of those little lenses, those clarifiers or verifiers, they're two different, they, they have a two different functions. Uh, I think I need a verifier um, lens in my ham ski. I don't, don't, I don't know if those are legal for hunting in. But more importantly, the problem with having a little lens inside your peep is if you're in a rainstorm or any sort of moisture or whatever, and you get a drop of water down in there, it foobars your entire sight picture, your ability to aim. And given how much moisture is on the landscape in Colorado these days and, and the, the monsoons just still rocking through there, um, having a lot of moisture, uh, there's, yeah, it, it just, it's not going to be practical for me at this time, whether it's legal or not, it's just not practical for me to do anything with that peep sight. So, I'm just going to have to keep my shot shots 40 and under, which if tradition holds true, that shouldn't be a problem at all. But I just thought it was kind of funny because, yeah, that, there you go. Call them to your toes. Not because of a pride or ego thing, but because someday when you get older, if you're one of those unlucky ones that has the eyesight issues like me, you're going to need to call them in close. You're not going to be able to launch the 80 yard, 60, 80-yard bombs out there anymore. You're going to need them in there close. And there, like I said, that, that those years where it was a cluster of five, oh my gosh, I could, I mean, I could shoot 20 yards and that was it. Like, I'm not joking you. That was it. I went to 30 and there was times where I would absolutely flat miss that target. Cause you want to talk, and, and again, we can talk to, you know, Joel shot IQ stuff, notwithstanding, but you want to talk about a, just deflate your confidence when, when you pull back and, and you you, everything that you fundamentally believe and expect it to happen when you pull back and look through your sights just goes out the window, man, it starts really messing with your confidence. It starts really messing with your, it, 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 it starts, it starts to create a situation where you fall into that target panic. Um, it's, it's not fun. It's not fun. And it, it will afflict some of you that are listening to this. If it, if it hasn't afflicted some of you already, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So anyway, I'm dealing with that right now. So all my shots are going to be pretty close this year, which might be just pretty typical. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this this year's season goes. Um, <clears throat> all right. So two things then. Uh, another one that I wanted to bring up. Um, 
and and, and this is dead serious. Uh, if you are planning on, I've, t- I've talked about this before. If you're planning on going out of state to hunt, if you're going to come, um, yeah, you, you make, you make the call on yourself. <clears throat> if you're coming, at least in my neck of the woods, if you're coming to Western Kansas to deer hunt. Uh, you need to call your landowners. You, you need to call your land. If you're hunting on private land, you need to call your landowners. You need to check in on them. Um, it's bad. So, uh, I told you before, we've got some of our landowners that are just chopping up their corn. Um, that scenario is rapidly expanding. The amount of corn that is just flat burned up, that it will not produce any kernels whatsoever. The corn stalk is standing there. That You look at the corn field and it looks like you have mature plants out there. There's tall corn out there. But, but it's drying up. It's, it, it, some of it's crispy fried dry. Some of it's still drying, okay? It might still look kind of green or silvery green, but there's no moisture to fill out the kernel. It doesn't matter if the kernel is actually uh, pollinated. There's nothing there. There's no moisture there to fill it out. It's not going to produce any corn. Um, soybeans. Soybean fields are drying up left and right and burning up to where they're just crispy fried brown. They're dead. They hardly even put it, put any pods on the plant and the pods that were there did not fill out with seed. There's no soybean, in many fields, there's no soybeans on the landscape. And the green vegetation that the deer were utilizing for summer forage is now dead, gone. So it's, it, farmers are in a bad way. And and like I said, CRP fields, the the pheasant have the habitat that you normally go out and pheasant hunt in, if it's not enrolled in CRP, it may be bailed up and gone. Some of ours has been bailed up because uh, you've got ranchers, farmers that are having to sell off their cattle herd because there's no grass in their pastures. And because of the expenses these past couple years uh, and all things considered, uh, they don't have the buffer. Uh, to go and buy more feed. And quite honestly, where the hell do you buy feed when no one can grow feed and everybody that can't grow feed is out there buying up every stick of ounce of feed that's out on the landscape. Some landowners are, are and ranchers are having a very difficult time getting food for their cattle. We've got cattle that are starving. Uh, some landowners are just not able to do anything and they're just in denial. Uh, they They... They should be selling off their cattle, and they're not. And I understand why. Um, they sell their cattle now, and then what? What are they going to do next year? They're going to. You're you're not going to turn right around and and buy a bunch of cattle and, and rebuild your herd. Um, that that's just not how that works. So they're resisting. They're trying not to sell off their herd cow calf. You know, especially if they're cow calf operation, they're trying to keep the cows because that's their livelihood. But they don't have any food to feed them. Water's drying up. It's it's difficult to main, make sure that you maintain your water. Um, it's 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 ugly, and there's going to be some landowners that are severely hurting. Uh, if you are planning on coming out to hunt, I strongly suggest when you come out, you come out with a very strong sense of empathy um, and consideration. And I would highly recommend you financially doing whatever that you might be able to do uh, to help that family. Um, 
if you have at this time, you need to, like I said, call your landowners and find out what's going on, find out what their need is. Ha- I hope you have a good relationship with them so that you can have a frank conversation with them. Um, I mean, even if it's one of those things where if you're coming from Colorado or if you're coming from, uh, you know, Nebraska, if you're co- wherever you're coming from a different state and you're getting good rain and you've got grass, you know, you've got some good hay out there or whatever, you know, Obviously, you might not be able to bring enough hay down to feed an entire cow, you know, cattle herd. But you know, if the landowner has a couple horses that he normally uses, and, and, and those horses are out on pasture, there's no grass out there. In some places, maybe you load your truck up with a whole bunch of grass hay or whatever, and you bring it out and be like, "Hey, at least for your horses for a little while, you know, just just get give them some feed." Um, maybe you consider writing them a check or whatever for hunting or or what just. Come out with some consideration because some of your landowners are out here are hurting. Some of your landowners are going to be faced with the, with the hard uh, decision of what they're going to do for next year because they may not be able to financially recover well um, after this season. There's going to be some landowners going to be selling land, um, and maybe not their entire farm, but they're going to they're going to have, some of them are already looking at some of their waste ground areas and some of their unproductive areas and starting to say, well, I can just sell that and get rid of that and, and use that money at least to hold on to some of the stuff that maybe is, is more profitable. Well, some of those waste ground areas, again, are the places that you like to hunt. Remember what I talked about before, all those people that said, oh, I'll never pay a dime to go hunt anywhere? You may want to reconsider that option or re- reconsider that that thinking. All right, Some farmers out here some cattlemen out here are in a bad way and the landscape is is ugly now with that being said you know some of my hunters have contacted like oh man is this going to be a bad year for deer hunting i don't know yet you know we're still planning on doing some of our habitat stuff we've got some habitat stuff in the ground now um that's doing okay we're still planning on putting some stuff in the ground uh, if fingers crossed, we get some moisture. That's the other thing too, is we don't, cont- if we don't get any moisture in September, we're done. There, there will be no cool season plots this fall because there is no moisture in the ground to actually get it up out of the ground. And if it, even if it does pop and gets up out of the ground, there's no moisture to sustain it and let it carry through. So, um, that's where we're, I mean, we're just going to have to get creative on what we do on the landscape and, and how we look at providing food on the landscape. Um, yeah, but so it's going to be interesting how, how the season progresses. Now we've got some really good habitat stuff going on us where I have a feeling if everything else falls apart around us and and we end up having to be the best food and best cover and best resources on the landscape, everything is going to stack pile in on us. That's great from a hunting standpoint for us, but it also doesn't really help us because then we have that many more mouths to feed on the landscape. We'll burn through our fields and our food plots and our resources faster uh, than we normally do, and that can be problematic. You'll hear people talk about the, the problems with deer yards in those years where you have excessive snow and that type of stuff. You get so many deer packed on one chunk of, of real estate they just eat themselves out of a house and home and then then they then there's nothing for anybody and then the whole thing crashes um so it's going to be interesting to see what that deer movement 
uh, an activity looks like. Now, a lot of our hunters are going to be coming in October anyway, which is early. But, man, so far, we've got some really good deer. I mean, the antler growth that I'm, I'm looking at is pretty darn impressive. I mean, like, like impressive. Um, so, fingers crossed that stays. I mean, hopefully they, all those bucks that I've got on camera now are, are going to stick around. Uh, we get a, we can get a crack at them. So it looks like anyway the the initial growth antler growth uh, from the deer is is doing well. Uh, the question is just going to come what what's going to happen over this next several months. You need to you need to reach out to your landowner. You need to find out if you're planning on hunting public ground. You owe yourself a, a trip out here to drive around and look at the walk in access area areas that you're planning to hunt. Look at the wildlife areas and the and the uh, state parks and all that type of stuff. All the public land that you're planning on to hunt, you need to get out here and scout it. You need you need to get out here and take a look at it uh, because there may not be a stick of food on it. It it may have been chopped up, shredded, thrown in the back of a semi as, as silage, and come November, the only thing that's out there is dirt. So, yeah, from. And that's the thing is, I don't care how you look at it. If you just want to salvage your hunt and you just want to make sure you have a good hunt, then then follow up with your landowners and, and just do your homework and do your scouting and figure out where the food is, figure out where the water is, figure out what their crop rotation is going to be and figure out where the deer are going to be. If you just want to be purely selfish about it and all you give a rip about is your your recreation and your ability to come out and shoot a deer in the, you know, put a deer on the ground, and go home with it and do a grip and grin for social media and, and look like a hero. I that's fine, you do you. From a mental health standpoint, you know, how many uh, this is the other thing too. You know, I I've, I've ranted before about the quote-unquote sheepdog and I hate that freaking term from the the quote-unquote first responder/military, you know, the the 2A community, whatever you want to put it, you know. I'm a sheepdog. I'm a sheepdog. I I I stand up for the, the bullshit. That community and others, you know, we talk about the, the veteran community, the, the, the mental health issues and the suicide rates and, and how many people you see put stuff on their, their profiles talking about mental health and reaching out. And, you know, all, yes, our veteran community, absolutely, especially the special operations community, our, our veteran community absolutely needs that outreach and needs that support structure. But every single person out there that you know that happens to be, these past couple of years have sucked anyway, just from an economic standpoint and just the BS that's going on. There are some people in businesses that you know in your life they're struggling. Rather than just posting something on your Instagram or whatever that says, yeah, I stand with our veterans and I, I stand with you know mental health stuff and blah, 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 and stop this how about we just take that broad view and say, how about we just concern ourselves with mental health issues for everybody that we care about? Everybody that we value, whether we value their friendship intrinsically because they're somebody we value or we value their quote unquote friendship because they give us a place to hunt. I don't care what what your motivation is, whether you just want to use that person or whether you truly care about that person. Especially now. You might want to reach out to them and check in and make sure they're doing all right. 
make sure they're doing all right. Make sure that they understand that, yes, you are thinking. You're not just thinking about them from what they can give you. Give you. You might want to articulate them to them that they have a deeper value for you. You care about them a little bit more. And again, I'm, I'm going to tell you, some of you are not doing bad financially. You're still doing fairly well. If you have the ability, you might want to reach out to them and see, is there something that you can do to help? And quite honestly, maybe it is bringing a, a, an envelope of, of cash and just slip it on the on the front seat. You know, when, when you're done with your hunt, whatever, you, you come and you shake their hand, you meet them and you talk to them and blah, 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 blah. And then before you leave, you swing by and you tell them goodbye, oh, thanks for a great hunt, whatever. And then you just walk over and you just drop a, an envelope of cash on the front seat of the truck and just walk away. Check in with your landowners because they they very well may need it. Um, and then the other thing with social media, you you know, I t- I told you before that uh, I was probably going to start trying to to transition over and and maybe try, um, what was it, Vero? Um, I'm I'm just baby stepping into it, looking at Vero a little bit. Man, I'm you know I I told you before I got done. I I really have no use for Facebook. Um, and I really liked Instagram, and I was focusing on Instagram. But goodness gracious, these days, Instagram is starting. I mean, now it's just a content, a competition with TikTok, and it's like one out of twenty posts or twenty things that I see are from people that I actually care about. Like it's just, it's just nothing but. You know, Instagram suggesting, but you, you know, I you suggested post because you watched a reel from so and so. What? I was scrolling and a reel popped up, and I watched it. Okay, that doesn't mean that from now on I want my entire algorithm to change simply because I I paused I paused on something and and now you're. Cha- I mean, it's getting bad. Where like I've got to go physically to the people I care about that I want to see, and I've got to literally literally go, hit the little magnifier, search. I type in the freaking name, bring up that page, and then I scroll through them. And then I'll bring up another person, type that person in, boom, there's their page, click on that, go to their freaking page. It's like I've got to functionally, physically go to the people that I want to follow, the people that I want to watch and see and engage with. I've got to go search and find them in order to do it. Everything else is just freaking automated drivel. And I mean, some of it's just worthless. I mean, it's one thing to sit there and say, they're, like some of these reels and some of the videos that come across, they're funny. I mean, they're, they're, there are some really, really talented people out there that are just flat funny. Okay, I, I'm sorry, guilty pleasure. I do like looking at those. I might be sitting on there pinching, a, a, you know, squeeting the poop out on the toilet, but hey, it may it is what it is. I may be scrolling. Some of those are freaking funny. I, yeah. There's other ones that I'm like, what? why? Why is this even on here? And why in the hell did you put this in front of my eyes? I want nothing to do it. And to sit there and go and try to click, you know, do not like, do not follow, don't show me this again. Oh, hell, it's freaking work. So Instagram is quickly losing me. I mean, it's it's getting bad, man. I, I just, I'm, I'm getting wildly dissatisfied. I'm starting to like the idea of the quote unquote Vero model where this is the people that you like to follow period. And it's their content. So 
I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to start playing. I haven't been posting much. I, I need to start posting more. Um, some of you are on here and I've, I've already got the little connections and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. So I'm going to try to start posting some more on there and maybe start playing around with some different stuff. I don't know. You let me know what other alternative social media stuff out there that you like that's actually functioning. Um, Vero seems to have a, a decent interface where it's intuitive and it kind of makes sense and it has that old school, maybe, a, you know, almost Instagram-esque feel to it. But I don't know. Instagram... I understand that's where it's at. To be relevant, you need to be posting reels. To to be relevant, you need to be you know doing video. And to be relevant and to keep the, the algorithm happy, you've got to play their game. But good lord, that algorithm sucks anymore. It's just a it's just a it's a mind dump. It's a brain dump. It's just and literally again, that's the whole point. The, you know the the discussion that people are talking about with TikTok and and how that algorithm is shaped up is it is feeding us some of the most mind numbing and dumbing information to where we just our brains just turn fit like functionally just turn off um it's not good and instagram is going right down that rabbit hole and trying to compete and be and just who can be more dumb and and who can have the more detrimental algorithm to it so anyway so i'm going to try to to post some more stuff to vero and quite honestly while i'm on the mountain uh if i i know when i did my little preseason scouting i did my little trip i know that i did not have a lot of good signal up there but in places or times where i you know if i go run into town or if i have to get up on top or if i'm up on top of a hill somewhere and i get signal and i start posting stuff i think if i'm going to post pictures i think i might go over and just post them over to vero v-e-r-o because again vero is a you know it's it's photography and video you can do both but um it's more photo based and it's your own, it's it's your content and, and the, the content of your friends. So um, I might start posting more there. So if you want to follow along and see what's going on over there, I'll post some stuff on Instagram as well. But if you want to see some stuff, maybe try to go over to Vero, start playing around with that. Again, it's V-E-R-O. Play around with that. I Again, I have no affiliation with these guys. I don't know if they're good or bad or ugly or indifferent. I don't know. I just, this is where I'm at. So anyway. Give it a try, give it a check, see what you think, um, and then keep an eye peeled over there because I might post some stuff there as well. So, all right. I think that's long enough. Um, yeah, kind of going on about an hour and a half. That's good enough for now. Again, this will probably be the last one for a couple weeks while I'm in elk camp. I'm going to do my darndest to get out of here on Wednesday. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but we're going to see. Um Give her a go, man. I'm just going to try to get out there and just defrag, relax, and have fun, and hopefully enjoy some cooler weather. I'm probably the first rainstorm that I get caught in. I'm probably just going to strip down naked, walk out in the middle of the freaking woods, and just stand naked in the rain and just laugh like a little girl. It's going to be just, ugh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's bad. Anyway. Thanks for following along. Thanks for sticking with me. Uh, if you want to dive in on some of the stuff, the the private conversations we're having over on the Elk Module, the Elk Hunting Institute, you've got plenty of time. Jump in, subscribe to just the quarterly membership. You'll have plenty of time to to, to go through stuff now before you leave, uh, on some of the stuff before you leave, and then you'll have a lot of time afterwards to, to after action review your hunt, and you'll have it available to you for you during your hunt if you have mobile access wherever you're hunting. If you've got uh, cell signal, the entire website is mobile optimized, so you can just open a lot of that stuff right on your phone if you've got internet uh, connections. So um, 
there's a lot of, of value in there and uh, you've got time for it. So, all right, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to go back to the office. I'm going to plug this in. I'm going to download it or upload it, uh, get it released. So you guys have it for a Monday morning and then uh, we'll see what time it is because it's like, what, 1130 now? I might just get this loaded and get it released and then hit the hay and then hit the ground running tomorrow, finishing editing, and then do as I normally do. Take like one day to mass crash, just throw everything in the camper that I can think I might need, and then just drive down the road. And then the, the first night in camp, I'm, I'm trying to make heads or tails of wherever where I put everything because everything's just a big hodgepodge pile in the middle of the camper. It's probably what's going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> Alrighty, everybody. I appreciate it. Thanks much. And uh, until uh, the next one, talk to you guys soon. Bye.